Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi Renat, welcome to this uh, new podcast. Hi Amit. Yes, I'm pleased to be here. Thank you for uh, starting this off. Yeah, so th- thanks a lot for this uh, idea of uh, talking about technical topics that we are both keenly working on. So I think it will be useful for the uh, audience, uh, whoever wants to learn about new topics. Um, and it would be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we obviously professionally, we both have a lot of experience and I thought it's a, it's a good idea to spread that experience that we've gathered over the over many years and working for many companies. We, we came to know a lot of things and it will help uh, someone who is new in their career, then they could get a lot of benefit from all the things that we come to know over the years. So yeah, I think it's a really good idea to um, to to sort of distribute that knowledge that we've gathered. I like that. So uh, let's start with the introductions. Uh, I'll introduce myself first to the audience. So uh, hello everyone who's watching. Uh, my name is Amit Sarkar. Uh, I am a test uh, consultant. I've worked in testing for now uh, almost 14 years. Uh, I have worked for big uh, telecom companies, uh, uh, big, uh, sorry, IT consultancy companies uh, like Tata Consultancy Services. Uh, and I've also worked for uh, startups. Uh, and uh, I'm currently based in London, UK. Uh, and I am currently working on a UiPath testing project. Uh, so that's a, a bit of introduction from my side. I'll uh, hand it over to Renat. Yes, um, so I am Rinat, Rinat Malik, and um, I am uh, an RPA specialist. So what I do is I um, strategically guide various businesses on to how to on on how to implement RPA in their organization. I also help build various robots, which is RPA is all about. Um, so RPA stands for Robotic Process Automation, which is to do with building. Uh, robots which will automate repetitive processes. And uh, that's my area of expertise. I've worked for various large organizations like BMW Financial Services or British Petroleum, as well as UBS, the bank, Swiss bank. So I've, I've seen a lot of successful implementation and I've also seen uh, some places, some businesses where it failed uh, and I've learned from all of these experiences. So uh, uh, just for the benefit of uh, everyone who's listening uh, or watching, uh, me and Renat, we are currently working on this project uh, together. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's it's something that's related to do with Brexit, but uh, we can't... Uh, tell you more uh, beyond that. Uh, but uh, in this podcast, we will focus on Renat's journey into RPA and the tools that are currently in RPA. And we'll try to understand uh, uh, what can be done with uh, these tools. So let me first uh, ask Renat this question. Uh, we You told about RPA, Robotic Process Automation. So can you tell us a bit more about this topic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll start with, you know, if you'd like, what is RPA? So RPA uh, stands for Robotic Process Automation. And uh, basically what it is, as soon as we hear about robots, we first think about, uh, you know, robots that we see in science fictions, like C-3PO or R2-D2. 
as cool as it would have been to to work with with that kind of robots unfortunately that's not the kind of robots that i i work uh so in in rpa the robots i build are um uh are are software based robots so they live inside a computer and what they do is they help humans do the repetitive task that needs to be done and uh, basically you know take away all the boring tasks from humans so humans can do more creative tasks um so the way it does it is uh, uh, the way the robots work is we sort of program it to to basically show exactly which steps that needs to be taken for uh, for a for a for a particular process which buttons to press in which web application or which de- desktop application and then once it knows which exact step by step it needs to take to do a process it can just repeat those processes we can also put you know some intelligence in it so it will have it will be able to make decisions uh, we could also uh, integrate some artificial intelligence in it so it will be able to understand and take decisions based on human handwriting so these are some of the cutting edge uh, aspects of robotics but yeah with with robotics you can virtually do any process that is fully integrated within the computer i mean obviously if a process requires you to print a document and then send it physically to somewhere uh the robot is not going to be able to do that because it is living inside the computer but anything that is happening inside computer even if there is handwrite handwritten pdf or or a like uh the robot still can handle those as well so that's uh that's uh, basically what rpa is um it is a new industry it uh although automation has been around for for a long long time uh in terms of desktop automation based on each of the desktop elements that we see on the screen uh that kind of automation which is uh essentially what rpa is that uh is uh relatively new and uh, some of the top players right now in terms of uh, this kind of uh providers of software platform are um, the top 3 are blue prism ui path and automation anywhere i've worked with all of them and uh, i am car- the car- the project i'm currently working on is using ui path but they all have their individual benefits and uh, we'll look into that in a minute okay thanks thanks uh, uh, renata I, th- i think that was quite a good introduction <laughs> to robotic uh, process automation rpa in short uh, so uh, i mean while you were talking about uh, the, these things i just realized you said it's desktop so now in desktop we have these different uh, windows platform uh, io uh, uh, osx platform apple platform and then linux so can you automate uh, on every desktop or is it limited to just windows Ah that is a very good question actually yeah that is that is one thing to remember all the time whenever any business is trying to implement rpa is right now at this very moment rpa is only available on windows and the reason for that is rpa basically takes advantage of how any desktop application is built so when the windows application well the way the windows applications are built are uh, 
structured in a way that everything has a table. So if you if you go on Start Menu and open the calculator app, you'll see all the ten buttons and the the results uh, window in 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 the calculator app, and all of these are sort of programmed inside one table. And then inside that table, there is a smaller table which has all the nine buttons, nine or ten buttons, and then each of those buttons are also addressed via that table. So you could easily address each of the element in a desktop application with with you know that with the table name and number. So that's how uh, an RPA software sort of understand where where to click or where to read some data from. So the way uh, Windows has organized all of these elements in the screen, that is what RPA leverages to to interact with each of these buttons or fields, etc. Um, I, I mean, Apple obviously also has um, the iOS also has a different structure, but that's not what RPA does at the moment. At the moment, uh, RPA is only geared towards Windows. Unfortunately, not Linux or not iOS. <laughs> okay, so so hard luck for the uh, Apple users or the Linux users uh, who are listening or watching this. Uh, but so, I mean, majority of the computers in the world are run on Windows. So I think that's a good, uh, that's a big market for these products. So that makes sense. Now, um, I mean, uh, coming to, you also mentioned about automation has been there for a long and RPA is relatively new. Uh, I come from a testing background and there are a lot of automation tools related to browser automation and uh, mobile app automation and even desktop automation. So how, how are those tools different from an RPA tool? Because uh, I've, I've been using UiPath now uh, as part of this project and I can see that there are certain similarities like I can automate things inside the browser, but I can also automate using the same tool outside the browser in a desktop environment. So are there any uh, differences? And uh, uh, I understand that in the uh, testing industry, especially because that's where I come from, a lot of tools are open source. Uh, and from where, what I understand, RPA tools are not open source. So uh, so that's one limitation for people to adopt. But uh, are there any other feature difference or can you recommend these tools to uh, the general testing community as well? Yes, yes, absolutely. So I think one of the main, one of the main USP of RPA, um, the, the one thing that makes it, makes it different from all the rest is the, is the interaction with the desktop or web elements. So you could you could basically automate a process using Python as well. I mean, you don't necessarily need an RPA platform software or like UiPath or anything. If you wanted to click a series of buttons uh, based on what is available, you could program that in RPA or even C, you know, whichever programming language and uh, various other automation tools as well. But the main thing that makes uh, makes RPA different is the usability or the ease of programming. With with all the desktop elements, so if I want to program that, you know, create a series, you know, click a sing a series of buttons and then take read data from this field and you know do based on what you receive do a series of different things. All of these things, you know, requires a lot of desktop in interaction. Click or read or yes. you know set type something in somewhere. So this is this is where RPA shines because. You know, to, to program a click, a particular button, 
in, in Python will probably take a lot longer than in UiPath. I can just do it, I can just do a series of process in five minutes. I can program that in five minutes. So, so the ease of programming and you know the convenience that RPA platforms provide while interacting with uh, with the rest of all the all the things like um, not only desktop applications etc but also <clears throat> also virtual machines and you know any kind of uh, Windows based technology RPA can interact with. So this this um, this benefit is what main makes RPA unique. And uh, one of the other thing to look at is also that while it brings any all this benefit, it doesn't make you lose out on all the other things. So for, for example, you know, with Python, you would probably look at if you wanted to do something, some sort of automation in Twitter, for example, you would look at directly talking to the Twitter's API. Yes. But, um, you know, with RPA, uh, you could talk to the API as well as you could also talk to the front end of Twitter. So for example, if okay. you wanted to have a different website, for example, uh, Rightmove, uh, it's a UK based property website, they don't have an API, or even if they do, they don't provide all the information you might need through their API, but you can get all the information in their front end. So for a situation like this, RPA is the best tool to use to, to get information of any kind. So uh, yeah, that's how RPA is different. Okay, that's that's quite helpful to uh, know because uh, I have I've used a couple of automation tools, and uh, and I've used UiPath now, so I can definitely see the advantages because you have single tool to use uh, to automate APIs, browsers, desktop applications, so and even Windows Explorer. So that's that's kind of uh, very powerful. Uh, so let's talk about the various uh, RPA tools. Uh, you mentioned that there are three key tools. Uh, I think UiPath, uh, Blue Prism and Automation Anywhere. Yeah. So uh, and uh, so can, can you talk us about these three tools in brief and then tell us uh, what tool you're currently using? Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, obviously, these are the top three, but not the only ones. There are, you know, a few other solutions that are also playing in the market. So before I start with the top three, let me just also uh, mention that Microsoft has a has its own RPA tool. IBM is bringing out their own. So there are okay. quite a few big players who are trying to inject themselves in the market. But right now, based on you know, the business strategy or the usability of the software platform, the top three are Blue Prism and then Automation Anywhere and UiPath. In, in, in no order of importance, these are the top three. Uh, the okay. one I'm currently using is UiPath, but I have used Automation Anywhere before and I've also um, sort of, uh, you know, managed developer developer teams who were using Blue Prism. So I have some understanding on all of them. Um, I'm not gonna. There is there is no one better than the other. Uh, you know, they're all top. You know, they're, they're they are top because of the value they provide, and they are all good in some ways or another. And all you know, a number of large organizations are using using all of them. So they definitely can. You know provide value to large enterprises as well as small businesses as well. Now, um, one important distinction, I think, between Automation Anywhere and UiPath, um, I, because I have 
I, I know these two in, in a greater detail than Blue Prism. And uh, so I can sort of compare the two a lot better. And um, one of the detail, one of, one, of, one, of, one of the crucial detail, I think, between the two is Automation Anywhere is, I found it, and I also have seen many people say that as well. Automation Anywhere is easier to learn. So someone who is, uh, say, for example, in a bank if, or in a, in a financial institution or in any large organization, if, if the strategy was to, instead of creating an RPA team, if the strategy was that they want to train their subject matter experts into learning RPA so they can automate their own processes, that's that's one that's that could be a very effective uh, effective way to implement RPA because and then you're not having to hire anyone. The subject matter expert is the best person to automate something because they know all the business exception that's going to happen. They know the process inside out. So, um, so the SMEs, if they can be trained on building robots, that would be the best. And in that kind of scenario, automation anywhere actually works quite well because someone with very little understanding of coding or you know of or IT understanding, they can still use automation anywhere to um, to make like simple robots but there are limitation of automation anywhere as well and you know that's that's integrating with you know hardcore proper uh, you know the programming side of things in UiPath, it's it's very uh, closely integrated with the .NET programming language and you can okay. also integrate other other programming languages very easily as well so, um, so that's that's the other the other side of you uh, other side of the coin is uh, UiPath. While might be might be slightly more a little bit more difficult to learn, but you can do a lot more complex processes. You can you can you know automate or take on a, a very complex process and get a developer who knows what they're doing and make a robot that will take care of of a really complex big you know, end-to-end -end process. Um, while automation okay. can also do that, but UiPath can do that, I think with, with, with UiPath is a little bit more powerful in that sense. Um, so one of the thing about UiPath is um, you have such good integration with uh, .NET programming that if you know .NET, then you're kind of already, you kind of already half know UiPath. And then it has the drag and drop uh, user interface, which is yes. actually easier to troubleshoot. Uh, the debugging feature it has is also actually quite useful. I found it to be more um, easier to find bugs or troubles uh, while, you know, while troubleshooting in UiPath because it, it has a really um, sort of comprehensive debugging tool. So yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, RPA or any robot has to be tailor fit for any organization. So um, uh, it's, it has to be bespoke. It has to be made for the purpose. So uh, yes. you can you can do that with you know, with any platform. But uh, the one I'm currently using is UiPath. In fact. Most of the projects that uh, I think majority of the projects uh, I've, I've been involved in has been UiPath. And uh, they also had a business strategy where they released the community edition quite, um, quite early in their journey as well. So a lot of uh, developers across the world already had free access to community edition, the you know, free version with all features included. 
in in you know to to learn and teach themselves and also create a very vibrant forum where you can you know ask a question and get an answer quite quickly as well. So these are, I think, some of the benefits, um, some of the some of the good strategies that UiPath has taken. So now it's became really popular. Automation Anywhere now also has community edition, but they only released it, I think, last year or the year before. But by that time, you know, there were already a lot more UiPath, you know, developers already has, you know, uh, already existing because they taught themselves from earlier. Okay, so uh, I mean, uh, thank you so much again for explaining these uh, various tools in such a great detail. Uh, so one thing I took away from this is uh, coming from a testing background and automation. A uh, lot of times it's hard to convince the business to do automation or to automate things because a lot of times uh, people who are actually doing the uh, involved in the day-to-day -day business, they don't uh, think that a process can be automated or a task can be automated. So you mentioned that in automation anywhere, uh, the people, uh, you can train the people and they can decide what they want to automate. And because they have the subject matter, they are the subject matter expert. And in UI path, you have the specialist who will come and who will automate uh, things for the business. So these are two different scenarios. So in, in the scenario where the business doesn't know what to automate, how does, how do the specialist uh, help? Because this mindset is there in a lot of companies uh, who either want to automate for the sake of automation or they don't know what to automate. So they're getting deprived of the automation uh, fits. Yeah, that's, um, I, I have to say, this is one of the biggest challenges I've seen in most of the organization. Finding the right process to automate is, is one of the biggest steps when you, when you are talking about RPA. And I've been involved in, in a number of organizations just doing this, how to do process discovery, or, you know, some people call it opportunity assessment as well. So, um, Interestingly, in some, some of my experiences, I was uh, uh, the RPA function in that organization was sitting within the business process management uh, department, which is actually a good thing to happen because business process management team or, uh, you know, they are mainly, they already have a good understanding of all the processes that are happening in, in, in the company. They, they track them, whether if there is any change in that process, they are the first ones to know. They also know all the, you know, step-by-step -step details and why the those steps are necessary, that kind of thing. So um, they can obviously easily have a good understanding. I mean, you know, say for example, they, they, they will probably have, okay, these are 200 processes that we have in our organization. And out of these 200 processes, these are the top 10, which takes the most um, sort of, um, um, FTEs or it takes the most cost to us or, the, or these are the processes that are bottlenecking all the other processes. So these are some of the ways to look at. Um, another way to look at is uh, if, if it's a large organization and if they're offshoring or um, uh, sort of, um, you know, hiring third party uh, suppliers to provide some of these processes, then what will usually happen is in order to offshore or in order to sort of um, you know, when, when 
giving this process to a third party supplier, they had already had to make a step-by-step -step guide in very detail, clear detail, that do this and if this goes wrong, then do this, all the business yes. exception, everything kind of handled. So those are the first places to look at. Now, this is, this is, I mean, what I've just explained all of this is just looking for processes in a humane way, like, you know, from your experience, from your all of this, you know, as, as a specialist, who, uh, whoever is knowing, you know, who knows how to discover this kind of opportunities. But the, we, we are tech people and there are a tech way of also finding processes like that. So there are like various process mining softwares which okay. is which is kind of like the the previous step to rpa so there are like you know some of the names i can remember is like Celonis or um can't remember any other names but uh, even uipath has a process mining software as well so what it, what it does is basically all the processes are usually tracking something say for example if it's a process related to the product of the company so that product gets manufactured somewhere and then you know, logistics happen, you know, gets sort of stored somewhere and then, you know, marketing happens and then gets sold somewhere and then gets delivered somewhere. All of these things are sort of tracked by a product number in yes. the CRM system. So if you just track how that product number is from the creation of the product, how all the steps it's taking to ending up into a customer's home, then you could, you know, you could, if you give that product number to a process mining software, uh, like, okay. you know, and then the process mining software, what it does, it, it goes into the CRM system of the computer and sees all the ways, all the steps it's taken to, to complete its journey from start to finish. And then it automatically maps processes, which are all like sort of, uh, all done by some, you know, some which steps are done by humans and which steps can be automated. And then it kind of gives you the, okay, this part of the process can be actually wow. automated. So that's the, that's, that's the technological way to, uh, to, to find the right processes with, with those kind of softwares. But now we also have to mindful, we also, also have to be mindful that these softwares doesn't always work and it's not the fault of the softwares it's because when you know in 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 any organization it doesn't even have to be a larger enterprise organization it could be even medium-sized com uh, companies the data is never organized very well you know someone did something and then someone else you know they left the company or were moved to another department and someone else then came in and they wanted to sort things in their own way and then five different departments sorted things in five different ways, you know, and all of this together, none of a company-wide, you know, data sorting or organizing never takes place. If it was, if everything is very sorted, then these softwares will work very well. But, you know, you're, you're kind of giving, you know, giving it wrong input or insufficient data or unorganized data and expecting it to do something with that data when when they're not really designed to do that then you're not going to get the expected outcome i mean you know if, if you can give it good data it will give you good output but yeah you just have to be mindful before using these process mining softwares they are quite expensive even for businesses so before using them you gotta uh, you know look into what data you have to give it <laughs> before taking that uh, decision 
Interesting. I mean, data data mining, process mining tools. I've, I've never heard of this. So this is this is quite new for me. So thank you uh, so much for sharing that. So uh, I mean, yes, I, I mean, I think that that's a very uh, interesting point that you made that a lot of companies have to overcome this challenge of identifying which process to automate. Uh, and they have to go through this whole journey through a specialist or someone else. Uh, so, but now let's get back to the tool, the main topic. Uh, you mentioned that you're currently working on UiPath and you have used that and uh, you, you feel that it's quite uh, better than some of the other tools in what it does. So can you talk us about its main features? And you also mentioned about the programming languages. So can you be uh, more specific about what languages can uh, can be used to program using UiPath? Is it just C, C Sharp, which is .NET, or do you have uh, support for Java, JavaScript, Python, uh, or C++, or any other programming language? Uh, so yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, uh, UiPath is the is the latest one I've been using, um, and it, it's actually been a really good experience. It is quite powerful and. As I said before, it did take me a bit longer to, to teach myself UiPath. Um, Automation Anywhere was a breeze. I was, you know, um, fully well-versed in it within, within a week. But UiPath did take some time. But um, it was it a was really good experience because uh, I found it to be, um, you know, it, it, the whole, the, this whole platform bring, give, has, a number of benefits that I haven't uh, that that are unique to it, and uh, I haven't you know I think it's very important for developers, especially these benefits. So, for example, you might think the forum, uh, the support forum, might not be you know a integral part of the tool. Yes, it's not. It's not a software, but the support forum is very important. You know, a vibrant support forum, very responsive. Um, it's very important for developers. I mean. You know, any developer will, you know, will agree with me, I'm sure, that, you know, most of the, you know, most of um, the day or most of the project, what we do is usually copy and paste or uh, integrate existing snippets of code rather than writing, you know, from scratch. Most of the times we are integrating and... um, if there is a forum which are very responsive and uh, very creative, uh, you know, and whenever you have a question, you usually look to documentation or you reach out to a forum where people can help you. I've reached out to forums and I've got I've gotten answers. Uh, UiPath forum, I've gotten answers within an hour, and in there are some cases they actually built the piece of code for me and then sent it as an attachment as as my reply. So I didn't even have to code it myself. They just done the coding and send it, sent it to me. And I, all I had to do is just put it in, into my, you know, the master process. So yeah, having a forum like that is very important. The other thing that UiPath is really good at is having a, like an academy website, the, the, the sort of a teaching website. And it also, this is another thing you're going to think, oh, this is not the so- part of the software platform itself. But the way they've kind of built their, you know, the, the, the self-teaching website, it's very detailed, very well presented, and it, it goes, it progresses in a step-by-step, you know, in, in, in like a manageable chunks. So you're not overwhelmed by too much information, but you are slowly, definitely progressing as well. 
So I've self-taught myself UI path, and um, uh, it hasn't. It has actually been quite uh, quite a good experience for me as well. So this is that's another other benefit of UI path. And third benefit I would say is to do with the actual software platform. The visual, uh, you know, the drag and drop interface is really good. But as a developer, um, I also find the debugging tool, I, I think I mentioned that before, it's actually really powerful. And I haven't seen, you know, such a good, you know, you know, like a, such a transparent or, you know, such a like a, a tool with so much information available when there is a, a problem with debugging. Uh, I haven't seen that with other other platforms. So with UiPath, I mean, there will always be errors, and part of our job is to sort of find those errors and correct it. And um, with UiPath, it's actually quite easy. I mean, you know, you could you could um, you know pause it at any place. You could start from any step. You could highlight every single step that it's taking. You could also highlight the buttons it's about to click. You can, you know, uh, increase or decrease the speed it's operating. So yeah, debugging is is also is is one of the main USPs of UiPath. And with any other RPA, like with any other RPA tools, it, it has obviously the power to interact with any desktop application, any web application, you know, seamlessly. It, it also interacts with very different browsers like Chrome, Internet Explorer, Firefox, etc. as well. So there's those those sort of um, off-the-shelf benefits are obviously there. It has all the all the basic standard requirements that you would come to expect, as well as it has all of these other benefits like the ones that I've mentioned. So yeah, I mean, it has been a good experience. And, um, so sorry, um, I sort of ran into a tangent a little bit. So uh, you also asked about um, you know how to integrate programming languages. So I've uh, UiPath is kind of really integrated with .NET. So within each any activities in UiPath, you can write you know .NET code, and it will it will uh, take it will understand and uh, work with it. But there is another thing which you can do, which is invoke code, which is a activity in itself, and with with that you could uh, sort of invoke other uh, coding languages like Python, C++, or um, that kind of... Now, whether you can invoke all kinds of code, I don't know whether it does Java or JavaScript. I don't actually personally have to because anything that you would want to achieve with the code, you can actually do it through UiPath's activity list anyway. So very okay. rarely do you need to do something that requires you to write Python code or JavaScript code, because whatever you want to do, UiPath has its native activities, which does does that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it is possible to integrate other other programming languages. Which ones? I'm not 100% sure, but I've never had to had to use that in 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 all the robots I've built. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Rinath, for explaining the features, especially the forum and the other bit. And it's quite uh, interesting to see that a forum is a useful feature of a tool, given that customer service is very important these days, user interaction is more important uh, for any product company. So I think that's a good feature. But moving on from that, uh, let's talk about uh, what it can do for the users. From my perspective, coming from a testing background, I can see that uh, you can interact with Outlook emails, you can read emails, extract uh, files from it and process it. You have 
uh, you can open a, a browser like Chrome, open a URL uh, and submit a form. You can interact with the API like you do with any API testing tool like Postman or SOAP UI. Uh, send, a, send a request, get a response with any REST API method. Then you can also interact with Windows Explorer files, file system like opening a file, deleting a file, creating a file, reading the file, and many other things. So for a user who is uh, new to automation and who wants to start, what are the main areas of focus or what are the main areas that they can do with UiPath? You have, you have spoken about forum, you have spoken about their academy, um, and you have spoken about the UI itself, but what can it do? Can you give some real life examples that solves problems, which can help our um, viewers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is actually quite interesting to talk about because um, obviously RPA tools in general are very expensive for businesses. Uh, but one of the best part of UiPath and Automation Anywhere both is that they provide a community license, which is free for any individual user. And leveraging that uh, as an individual person or, or, you know, an individual contractor, whoever can, you know, use this automation tool to do many powerful things uh, that could be, you know, a game changer in terms of how you do your things. So one of the things, for example, I did um, when I was uh, using UiPath uh, is, um, you know, uh, I was ready to buy my first property in, in, England. I live in London. So I had my different criteria set of how, what kind of property I want to buy. So for example, I wanted to buy a property which is half an hour away from London, central London. I didn't care like in terms of the radius. It could be East London, West London, South or North. That didn't matter to me. So if I go to Zoopla or Rightmove in, in you know, some of the property uh, listing websites in, in UK, then this filter, there is no way to filter this way that I, I can, you know, see all the properties that are around London half an hour away, but not inside London, because that would be too extensive for me. So uh, in, in, in Rightmove or Zoopla, you can give a particular postcode and they will show you all the properties that are in that area. But if I yes. wanted to go to all of these areas, which are okay for me uh, to, to sort of look into, I had no way of getting a, a, a you know comprehensive result which has all of that and then again with the with the results you get you can't really do any analytics or you know you can't you can't you know even with something as simple as excel you could sort things you could compare all of these uh, data in a, in a much better way than what you can do in in these websites so what i did i okay. built i built a robot for myself Yes, and I went to sort of um, I went to a website which um, sort of lists all the places that are half an hour away from you know half an hour commute away from central London. So I had a list of postcodes which are you know exactly the postcodes where I want to look for, and then I gave my robot these list of postcodes and what uh, it did is it went to Rightmove and Zoopla push, uh, input these postcodes one by one, and then gathered all the result data in that postcode area. So I had, say, for example, 50 different postcodes, which will go around creating a cycle around the around London. And um, 
then I had a list of all the properties available which are within my budget, within my criteria of the number of bedrooms, etc. And also within that location, a ring around London, if you'd like. And then, uh, you know, I had all of this data now sorted in Excel. And then with, with this power of, you know, data, now I could do, you know, create charts, create various bar graphs to, to, to tell me exactly the best house for me. And I was, you know, I, I've done this analysis, uh, analytics in Excel and I was so confident at, at my top result after doing all of the data manipulation in Excel, I was, I was so confident that I was ready to make an offer in a property without even visiting it because I knew that that is the best property for me to buy in London, in, in around London area. But then the pandemic hit, so I kind of couldn't um, go through with the property purchase myself, but that's how confident I was. And that was all possible because I made a robot and I knew that I had enough data to look at everything that is there in the market. So that's that's one of the ways, you know, an individual can UI, you know, can use the power of RPA to benefit themselves. And um, so, uh, so let me pause you here because this is quite interesting and uh, this is actually a real valid scenario because uh, even and people who live in London or people who live in the UK, buying your first property is uh, quite a big thing and a lot of people go through that journey of going to Rightmove or Zoopla and uh, putting the postcode and then trying to find the right property. Even I made that journey. Uh, but uh, I think there are key elements uh, which I want to break it down so that it's easier for the uh, viewers. Uh, the first thing is um, you mentioned that the robot went to the website and uh, entered the postcode and gathered the results and put it into an Excel. Now, if you break it down, uh, the robots are from UiPath's to, uh, community edition. I think mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's the first thing. And the second thing is uh, they are using, uh, they are using a URL and going it, uh, going to the URL and then they are uh, typing the postcode. Now, when they type the postcode, how do you identify the element? I think that's something useful that maybe you can talk about uh, how to identify the element of the postcode. And the second thing is how do you scrape or uh, gather the data into an Excel? Do you take screenshots or do you read it? Do you look at the source code? How do you gather that information into an Excel? And uh, I think that would be quite useful for uh, everyone. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, basically it's just going into a little bit more detail. So I, I basically provided the robot with some input data, which was the list of postcodes. So say, for example, I had 50 different postcode. I put it in a CSV file. Uh, each row contained one, one postcode. And then the robot would sort of loop through each of these postcode. First, it will read the first item in that CSV file, which is the first postcode. And then what it will do, if I programmed it so it knows the URL of Rightmove and Zoopla. So it will first go to one of them, say, for example, Rightmove. It will go to rightmove.com. In Chrome, you, you specify all of these. And then that website will load. For example, you know, you, know you, you sort of, for better programming, you, you know, program it so it will, the robot will wait until the whole website is loaded. And then it will look through all the places, all the all the elements that are available in that website. For example, it has, you know, in, in, the, in, in the front, it has the big search box where, you know, where, where's the first 
thing yes. where you want to put your postcode. But then, you know, on the on the right hand side, I think uh, you know, in the corner, there is something called advanced search where you can you know put a bit more detail, like how many bedrooms you want and yes. how many miles radius do you want. You know, you put a postcode and you can put like fifty miles. Then you will then it's not going to bring you much value. So I put in. You know, for example, go one mile radius from that postcode, and uh, then you know I put the number of bedrooms I want. I put my budget and all of these things. Uh, the UI path basically looks through all the elements uh, and then identifies each of the options that it can give, and then it writes it itself. Writes it wherever it can write. Wherever there is a text field, it can write it. Wherever there is a selection okay. field, say for example, there is a like a uh, drop-down menu for under you know the number of bedrooms, like only two, three, four, five, and six. So it will click on that drop-down menu and then choose the one that I would like it to choose, and then um, and then you know it will also write the budget in you know it could be a drop-down menu of like you know whole rounded numbers like you know 100k, 150k, whatever. And then it will write that, and then it will know where the search button is, and then it will click on that search button, as if you know the website is none the wiser. The white website will know that a human is is pressing yes. the button for for all okay. it is. Uh, it, it will basically simulate a mouse click, so it, that search button is pressed, and the website will, as a result of that, bring out the listings of all the things all the properties that matched my criteria that I've set up. Then, uh, obviously, that's just a list with, with, you know, with only the basic information in each of them. But what I want the robot to do is I want to go into each of these listings. So what it will do um, after clicking search, it will wait until the whole page is loaded, results. Yes. And then it will see, like, how many results are there, like 10 or 20 or however. And then it will loop through again from each of these listings. It will click on the first one and then go inside it and then read the data. It won't take screenshots, as you mentioned. Uh, it will basically read the data because the data is available in the website as in text format. So it will okay. read the data, copy it, and then write it in an Excel file that I've, I've sort of created. I told it to write it in this dedicated okay. Excel file. And then it will write it in, in the first row. I dedic have dedicated column for each information, the price, the number of bedrooms, the distance from the postcode, and you know, a number of other things like the description, what was the last price it was sold at. You know, there's various information that the website provides in each of these pages. So it will take all of these and create a row for in the Excel for this property. And then it will click back. And it will know that you already did you know, the first one, and then it will click on the second listing and then take all the data in and put it in second row. And then it will just carry on doing this until there is no more results for that postcode. And then once it knows that it, you know, collected all the results, then it will go back to the initial input CSV file that I've provided it and go to the yes. second postcode and then put that postcode into the search box again, and then put the, all the criteria that I've set in, and then do the same thing over and over again. So you can imagine as a human, if you wanted to do this with 50 different postcodes yes. and each of these bringing up like 20 different properties, then it would certainly be quite difficult. 
Now, yes. one of the things I did face is that there were, you know, if there were two postcodes right next to each other geographically, then the same results, same listing came on twice in, in my output. Okay. So, yeah. so um, I could have, if I wanted to, I could have made the robot so it will identify it, identify if there is a duplicate and ignore it. But I didn't want to, I mean, this was a personal project of mine, so I didn't want to make the robot too complex because there's only going to be a few of those duplicates. So in Excel, you could just easily identify whatever the duplicates are. So yeah, there is more can be done with it, but yeah, I mean, I just deleted the duplicates myself in Excel. But yeah, this, this is how the robot interacts. It can get any data, read any data from a web page or a desktop application, and then it can write anywhere it, it is allowed to write. And then it can click any button, double click any button or press enter anywhere it needs to enter. So that's that's I think the main power of of UiPath or of or any RPA software that uh, that it can interact with rest of the desktop in this way. Okay, so that is that is like uh, quite amazing. But uh, how do you identify the element in the browser? Uh, do you uh, use XPath or CSS path? Do you use the identifier of the element using? tags, the HTML tags, or do you look at the screen, the screenshot or whatever, and then you identify it? Right, right, right. Okay, so that's that's actually a good thing to look at. So UiPath does it, and you know, other, other uh, platforms also does it in different ways. So um, there are usually three different ways to do it. One is to look at the, the HTML code, you know, in, in yeah. most of the web pages are also sorted in, in tables that we don't see. Like we don't see the borders of the tables, but everything is kind of in tables on inside tables, inside tables. So you could you could sort of you know get a particular path of any item in the web page from yes. that address of that table. That's one yes. way. Uh, there is other way, I mean there there are other ways that, for example, if the website has a lot of responsive design, a JavaScript, you know, where things are moving about, you know, sometimes it's more difficult to do it this way. So in that case, you could, or, you know, even if it is connected by a Citrix uh, or, you know, other sort of like sort of virtual environment, that way, all of those information are not available to the host machine you know, the table, et cetera, you know, okay. for example, Citrix is only sending like, you know, pictures after pictures. So that, that yes. information isn't there. So, um, so one other alternative is to actually just do like image recognition. So okay. if the first, first, first attempt failed, because that's, that's the most intelligent attempt to un identify an element with its address. Uh, you know, with XPath, with, uh, you know, all of these uh, ways you can yes. structurally identify. That's, that's, that's how it first attempts. But for whatever reason, if that doesn't work, then the next or the last option is to do image, rec image recognition where you could sort of say that, you know, this OK button, you, you kind of identify, you know, you kind of show that, okay, this is the OK button looks like, this is the color, this is the design, this is the font. And you know you kind of take an image of that button, and then when the robot is okay, running, okay. it kind of matches with the existing image which was taken during coding it, and matches. And you say like like how much, what percentage has to match, in order for it to identify. So you kind of say like okay, if there is an eighty percent match, 
then that's the button and click on that button. So there are various weaknesses for going okay. this way because this is like the last resort. So, you know, say for example, if, yes. the, if, the, if the machine where the robot is running has a different resolution than when, when it was programmed, then, you know, the picture size is going to be slightly different or whether it would be more blurry or not, etc. So uh, resolution could be a problem or even uh, various other things that affects how a, an image is presented. Like pop-ups. Yeah, yeah. So say, for example, if there was a pop-up window which covers the button it needs to press, then it's not going to find that button based on image recognition yes. because that, that button is, is covered up. So yeah, there, there are a number of weaknesses uh, using this, but sometimes that's the only way. But uh, yeah, it's recommended to use all the other processes, you know, first and then as a last resort, use use image recognition. Okay, that's that's uh, that's useful to know. I think uh, most of the other automation tools which we use for testing also. I mean, I've I think there are visual testing tools that looks at just the website and compares it to a reference image. But uh, we have tools that identifies elements use uh, looking at the HTML code or mm -hmm. just looking at what it sees. Uh, so uh, thank you, Renat, for that. So. Uh, I think uh, it's it's a it it was a good uh, talk. So I just wanted to summarize uh, everything for the user. So we we talked about uh, robotic process automation today. Uh, Renat uh, Malik, he's a, a RPS specialist, uh, and currently he's working on UiPath uh, project. Um, and then we talked about the different tools of uh, RPA and uh, particularly about UiPath, its features. Uh, and uh, in order for you people who are just watching this video, if you want to start using UiPath immediately, I think the best place to start is create a, a login in UiPath, uh, download the community edition of UiPath Studio and uh, go to their academy, as Rinath mentioned, look at it and then uh, learn from it and then start automating any process or any task that you want to do, be it on desktop or browser or API. Uh, so I think it's quite a powerful tool. And uh, given that it's it has a community addition, people can start uh, using it and enjoying it uh, as soon as possible. So thank you so much again, Rinath, for this uh, educational uh, uh, overview of uh, RPA. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Amit, for all the insightful questions. Okay, so that's it from us uh, and hope to see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.